as we have read to us chapter 13, to us, the most of chapter 13, and we're going to have the last section read to us a little bit later. But as we listen to the words of Scripture, as we follow it in our own Bibles, as we follow it on the screen, I invite you to enter with me into the text and imagine yourself at the time of Jesus hearing this. I invite you to ask yourself this question. Do I want a small piece of God's word or do I want a large portion? This is a reasonably large portion that we're going to have read to us. Some 30 odd chapters, uh, verses, not chapters, don't panic. But do you take a shower with little drips of water or do you take a shower where it's gushing over you? As you enter into God's word, inviting the Holy Spirit to reveal something of the mystery and the wonder and the beauty of his word. Let it shower over you and wash through you and ask the Lord, give me a word from heaven. Lord, your servant is listening. Let us just pray before we have God's word. We're going to also have a little video clip just before God's word to emphasize um, or to introduce something of this passage. So after this prayer, we will have a little clip and then there'll be the word read to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come for a shower of your word. Help us to hear your voice in the scriptures. Help us to receive a word from you for our lives individually, but more importantly, collectively. As your people in Breton Baptist Church, as your people listening online today, help us to allow the shower of your word to wash through us, transform us, and revive us with the secrets of heaven for the glory of your kingdom in the world that we live in today for a time such as this. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good.
bad for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... Bible reading is from Mark 13 verses 1 to 31. The destruction of the temple foretold. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see those great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Be aware that no one tell, leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to be to come. For nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The persecution foretold. As for yourselves, be aware, for they will hand you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony of them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. When they bring you to trial and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The Desolating Sacrilege. But when you see the desolating sacrilege set upon where it ought not to be, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on top of the house must not go down or enter the house to take any anything away. The one in the field must not return back to get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant or to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not be in winter for in those days there will be suffering such as not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord has not cut short those days no one would be saved but for the sake of the elect whom he chose. He, he has cut short those days 
And if anyone says to you at the time, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be alert, I have already told you everything. The coming of the Son of Man. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers of the heaven, heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The Lessons of the Fig Tree from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near. At the very gates, truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My guess is if you've tuned into this service this morning, the end of the world is not yet here. I wonder what the disciples were thinking when Jesus shared that. This has been prophesied some 400 years ago, 40 years after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, the temple uh, in Jerusalem and Jerusalem had been destroyed. The war against the Romans and the Jews had come about. The prediction that Jesus had in Mark 13 was actually happening. I wonder how the disciples were thinking back from the words of Jesus some 40 years prior to the event. I wonder whether they thought, are we ready for this as they were going through it? Have, did we actually sign up for this? I wonder whether that was any thoughts going on in their mind. Obviously, we don't know. My guess is they weren't ready, despite the uh, prophecy and the warnings and the encouragement to be alert, to be on guard. I wonder whether you were ready for COVID-19, for the way the world has changed. I wonder whether you signed up for this. I guess you're like me. No, I didn't. No, I wasn't. But yet, there's something about being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ that allows us to get to grips with the fact that no matter whether we're ready or not, God has equipped us for a time such as this. Every year, every decade, every generation since the resurrection, Christians have been predicting the end times, the end of the world. Books and movies have been produced showing us how the Armageddon, how the apocalypse, uh, the coming of Jesus will be. There's more apocalyptic films uh, than there's ever been. Still yet, it hasn't happened. I remember reading this quote noted in a newspaper uh, through a personal ad. Yesterday, in this space, I predicted, that's not me, this is the news ad that I read once, that the world would come to an end. It did not, however. 
I regret any inconvenience this may have caused. In the turn of the first millennium, people were selling their land and giving up everything, believing that this was the time Jesus was going to return. None of it is going to help you unless you prepare yourself spiritually. You can prepare yourself practically, you sell everything, but it does not make the just bit of difference. What makes a difference is are you alert? Are you on guard? Are you awake spiritually? A biblical commentator, a common, yeah, commentator said this in chapter 13 of Mark's gospel. It says it's a happy hunting ground for persons fascinated by the end of the world. It figures prominently in books by doomsdayers and in sermons by evangelists more interested in the next world than this one. On the other hand, this chapter 13 is largely ignored by pragmatists, activists, um, activities, believers in progress and all who dismiss preoccupation with the end of the world as a juvenile state of human development or an aberration of unbalanced minds. As many of us know, the preaching and teaching about the end of the world, the eschatological preaching or the apocalyptic teaching has been rife since the first century, if not before that. Every generation and every century, the subject of the end times have been a very pressing matter. I recently heard uh, a sermon of a pastor who says, we are closer than ever before. Um, I, I, I can sense, I can feel it. We are closer than ever before. Surely as every day passes, as every year passes, as every um, decade passes, as every century passes, we are closer. It's obvious. Come on, we're getting closer. How close are we? Who knows? And frankly, who cares? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God is going to do now? Are you loving this world as much as you can? Because if you love this world and the beauty of God's creation and um, presence in it, you're going to love the next world. I have heard this, uh, that it's said that some people are pre-millennialists. There are post-millennialists. There are a millennialist, if you can say that. This is about the thousand year reign. Are we in it? Are we after it? Or are we before it? Look up those words. It's all about are we in that thousand year reign. It's, it's, it's preached, uh, it's written in Revelations 21. I sit on the fence of neither of those, either of those. I sit on the pan-millennialism. It'll all pan out in the end. Don't worry about a thing. And that is the point. What is the end? The end of what? What are you waiting for the end of? In Mark, what was prophesied in the book of Daniel and Isaiah, Jesus was reminding them this will happen before this generation passes away. And it says in verse 30, truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. And in AD 66 to AD 70, these things happened. 
horrible things were taking place. People were eating their own children. They were, they were going against each other. People were in a mess. The world had gone absolutely crazy. And they believed it was literally the end of the world and Jesus was going to return any moment. In a similar way, there's a huge amount of conspiracy theories about coronavirus. Is this the sign of the end of the times? Yes and no. It is predicted that there will be wars and there will be famines and there will be disasters and there will be poverty and there will be all kinds of chaos and disasters in the world. And this is one of them. This is a part of it. I love that song by Bob Marley, and forgive me if you don't like to hear my uh, out of tuneful voice, I know God can tune his ears accordingly, and I pray you can. It says this, don't worry about a thing, cause every little thing's gonna be all right. Singing, don't worry about a thing, cause every little thing's gonna be all right. Rise up this morning, smile with the rising sun. Three little birds pitched by my doorstep, singing sweet songs of melody pure and true, saying, this is my message to you. Come on together. Singing, don't worry about a thing, cause every little thing's gonna be all right. Okay, that's enough. I don't wanna put you in any more misery. You feel like you want to end your life already before the second coming of Jesus returns. I do, do ask for your forgiveness on that one. But you get my drift. Everything's going to be all right if you remain alert, if you remain on guard, if you clothe yourself with the wonderful spiritual blessings that come from heaven. We should not be preoccupied with the attempts to calculate the end of the world. There's no point. All the Gospels reminds us of that. Matthew, Mark and Luke. So don't worry about a thing. I know as I look at my journey with Jesus and reflect on past and current times, I think to myself, I never signed up for this. And am I ready? No, I'm not. But this I am confident of is that in God, I can get through it, whatever it is. And it says, for we, for I, can do all things through him that gives us strength. For those that have been following the book of Philippians as a part of our prayer and fasting, don't know about you, but that verse really sticks to me, verse 13 of chapter 4. Ever since the resurrection, Christians have and will continue to predict the end of the world. Revelations remind us, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 21. Now, this is a taste of what's to come. We are living, we can live in a taste of the new heaven and the new earth. If you, if you allow yourself to be reborn in the light of God's love and power over you, you can cope with all things. So are you living for the end or are you living for the end of the beginning? Jesus has shown us how to live. How are you living the life God has given you in Christ Jesus? In a world that does not know Real living is yet to follow.
So what are you living for? It says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, for me living is Christ and dying is gain. See, this is a win-win situation. It requires a holistic responsibility for living now. I, I love life before as a Christian. I, I love it even better now I know that there is something more meaningful and purposeful in this life and in the life to come. If you are following Jesus, his ways and his teachings, you will have a radical kind of life. Not that you will be changing the whole world like a fantasy superhero, but things about what makes you you will be countercultural in the world that you find yourself in now, this world. And they will be attractive or offensive in the world that we live in. See, the life of Jesus is to get more meaning. The life in Jesus is to gain more meaning. The problem with so many people is that they are scared to let go of their ego and loosen the pleasures and the leisures of this life. People are afraid to hold lightly the things of this world because they have not allowed God's secrets into their lives. I know this because I once lived like this, but when I allowed my heart and my mind and my soul to be open to the mystery and the wonder of heaven's beauty and blessings, I discovered I had, I had it all. Because I hold tight the things of heaven and hold the things of this world lightly. See, we've got to learn to take responsibility for the way we choose to live. Now, we can't control the devastations of this world, but we can control our response. I once disregarded how my life affected others. One day that radically changed. My story is that Christ became real to me and it began a reformation in my intellect it sparked a transformation in the way I live life to the max and it continues to form the way I relate to the world and the times I find myself in. Accepting the way of Christ is literally taking responsibility to live a life that is not of this world. It is accepting the way this world is. This is not the way it was meant to be. And whatever comes we will stand firm in the assurance that Christ shows us a countercultural way of living towards the end of the beginning. It is a huge responsibility to continue in the garments that Christ invites us to clothe ourselves in. The main things from this text are being ready, verse 5, being watchful, watchful verse 5 and 35 being on guard verse 9 and verse 23 being alert awake and prayerful verse 33 this passage is asking how are you living god's kingdom culture in a worldly culture verse 5 then jesus began to say to them be aware do not let yourself be led astray 
As for yourselves, verse 9, be aware for they will hand, this is a scary passage, they will hand you over to councils. And this is what happened in AD 70 or between 66 and 70. And you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings because of me, because of Jesus, as a testimony to them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations when they bring you to trial and hand you over. Do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you at that time for a time such as that, for a time such as this. For it is not you who speak, but it will be the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, but be alert. I have already told you everything Jesus says. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Right across the world, people are being arrested and persecuted for being a Christian. Why? Because there's evidence to convict them. Living the gospel is seriously divine responsibility on earth. I remember hearing a friend of mine um, deciding it was time to tell their bright little beautiful four-year-old it is time to invite Jesus into your life. So my friend asked their, their son Benji um, about accepting Jesus as his friend. Benji, she replied softly and confidently, would you like to have Jesus as your friend in your heart? Benji rolled his beautiful bright blue eyes and answered very seriously. No, I really don't want that level of responsibility. See, it is a serious responsibility. It is not for the faint hearted. It is not for the weak. It is not for men that can't be men. Most men don't choose it because they're not manly enough. That was certainly my story. I thought it was a mamby-pamby type of thing. And I discovered what sort of man I really am because I allowed Jesus into my life. And, and that was a tough call. I remember hearing this quote once. Authentic Christianity is systematically risky business. It is divinely dangerous and outrageously adventurous, but yet completely safe. That's, that fires me up. I love adventure. I, I love taking risks. I love looking at and um, facing danger and laughing in the face of danger, said Simba when he was in front of the hyenas and then got scared because the hyenas came out and chased him. If Christianity has become boring, irrelevant or untrue for anyone, my guess is you're looking at it wrong and you may even be doing it absolutely wrong. I thought, I loved life before, but now God has shown me how to love life even more and all those in it. It has helped me to understand passages like uh, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. It's not an easy journey, but it is a right journey. Most journeys that are right are not necessarily the easy ones. Growing as a Christian has become the most challenging thing, certainly in my life. Any person who chooses to follow Christ is inviting God to reveal to them the world that they live in isn't the way it's meant to be. But the world that God is reforming is the world as it should be. It offers us great responsibility. God has, God does not give this level of responsibility to those who are not serious about him and his love for the world. Apparently Peter Parker, who played Spider-Man, um, is remembered by a phrase that he said, which came from the French Revolution, with great power comes great responsibility. Having Jesus as your saviour invites all disciples to tap into the power source that comes from heaven. Literally power out of and beyond this world. To tap into this divine power is to hold great responsibility. Having the keys to the kingdom of heaven unleashes a power source that can literally turn this world upside down and inside out. Gandhi understood this great responsibility, this great power uh, within the scriptures, let alone directly from God himself. Um, he states this, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces. Turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn world or a battle-torn planet, he says. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. See, during COVID-19, are we bringing peace and power and the presence of God in a very unstable battle-worn or virus-torn world? Or are we going, I am not signed up for this. I can't cope with it. This is not, this is not what I expected. Or wake up and smell the coffee because it's never going to be what you expected unless you clothe yourself with the garments of Christ. So within the Bible, a direct line to God through Jesus and with access to the unlimited beautiful spiritual resources and blessings that come from heaven that's ephesians 1 3 to 14 the church and the holy spirit we are able to bring about heavenly differences establishing his kingdom culture on earth that is if we choose to it is certainly a great responsibility and offers long-term huge eternal benefits William Carey once said this, he was a Baptist missionary, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Don't, it's not about achieving, it's about attempting. In God's eyes, I believe you and I and every living human, it's great, but God is greater. Growing in him is learning to live the way of Jesus in our humanness. 
and inviting the Holy Spirit to do in and through us that which we cannot do. That is allowing the supernatural. That's why Hebrews 12 is a wonderful passage and reminds us that together, spiritually, we are massively strong. We are a powerful force in God, not of self. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So, are you ready spiritually? Do you need to get ready spiritually? Are you spiritually sleeping? Is it time to wake up? Is it time to say, Lord, put the fire of heaven in me now? Are you spiritually deceived? Have you turned God away? Have you refused the blessings that he wants to bestow upon you? Are you spiritual? Are your spiritual antennas on? Where are you spiritually? Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you alert? Are you on guard? Are you watching? As we draw to the end of our preach and our teach this morning, I want to read that final section in Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 32 to 37. But about the day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, 
but only the Father. Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or midnight, or at the cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Be ready. Stay awake. Stay on guard. Look at everything. Discern what is from God, what is of God, and what is not. Do not be deceived by those claiming to be him. Don't worry about it. You will know. You will. The whole world will know and every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow. When Jesus returns, there'll be no doubt. There'll be no question. In the meantime, tune into the rhythm of his heartbeat. This is not a warning. This is not a scaremongering. This is not a judgment. It is an encouragement. Jesus is coming to bring an end to all this craziness, all this chaos, all this corruption. The amazing thing is that we do not have to wait to enter into the new heaven and the new earth. We can enter right here, right now. The kingdom of heaven is upon us and is within us and in our reach. We are offered it like a down payment, like a house down payment. It's a spiritual down payment. The Holy Spirit is just a down payment. The spiritual blessing from heaven is a down payment. Having Jesus in your heart is like a down payment. Jesus has offered us a spiritual life that is out of this world, but is in this world. And physically and spiritually, we can live it and get through it. And with him in us and with us acknowledging him, confessing ourselves to him and apologizing and saying, I'm repent. I'm repenting of not allowing you, not trusting you. A lot of Christians fail to trust Jesus. They say they believe in Jesus, but they struggle. We all struggle at different levels. and We all express it at different levels. But trusting in Jesus saying, it'll work out. I know it will work out. Jesus has given us a taste of heaven right here, right now. And we will encounter it in full when he returns. For those of us that have entered that journey are tasting what is yet to fully come. That is why the scripture says this in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 4 to 11. When the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you are younger 
must accept the authority of the elders and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in the dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's, that's a psalm repeated there that uh, Peter shares. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls among around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brother and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, you may feel like you're suffering, but it will pass by. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore support, strengthen and establish you. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Somebody, uh, Albert Kasmos, said this. I shall tell you a great secret, my friend. Do not wait for the last judgment. It takes place every day. That's for all of us. What are you waiting for? What are you living for? The invitation is to live in God's glory, to live the life God has already ordained for you. And you will know what you are living for. You will know that this is just the end of the beginning. So let us together get ready, be alert, be awakened, be on guard and be prayerful as we find ourselves traveling through the, the prophecies that were given to us right back in the times of Jesus. Let us take some time just to respond in prayer. Because of God, we can be ready for absolutely anything. Are you ready? Are you alert? Are you awake? Are you praying? You can be ready for absolutely anything because God is. Dear Lord Jesus, there are some among us who um, are scared of the end times. And your word says, perfect love casts out all fear. And Lord, I pray that love on people right here, right now, to remove the fear from their lives. Lord, I know there are people among us that are really struggling with um, this season. Lord, um, help them to put, to give you their anxiety, to place their anxieties upon you, it says in that scripture that we just had in 1 Peter chapter 5. Because you care for us and you can carry our anxieties. In fact, not giving you the worries of our hearts insults you because you want us to trust you with our worries and to leave them at your feet and i pray that upon those this morning who are burdened with worry lord i also lift up to you those that um are feeling got at who are feeling insecure who are feeling um and thinking things that are not justified are of the enemy 
and are not words spoken over them, words that they've allowed to be um, spoken into their lives from the enemy. Lord, I pray that they rebuke, refuse and repent in Jesus' name. Lord, there are those among us who have not heard the message of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, if there's anybody among us here this morning, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that they open their hearts to you and say, Jesus, forgive me for not allowing you to be a part of my life, of any part of my life. I give you my life right here, right now. I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. I believe that you died and rose again. I confess that I have sinned and I will allow you to wash my sins away. And I will allow you to enter into my life because of your grace. I am a new creation and I give my life to you from this day forward. I pray that upon people here this morning, Lord. I pray that if that's you today, I pray that you make contact with us because we'd love to encourage you and show you how you can receive even greater anointing on your life. And for us all, Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing, uh, an awakening of your fire in our lives. Lord, let us not allow the devil to extinguish the passion, the, the fire, the energy, the potential in the believers in Peterborough and in Breton Baptist Church. Lord, help us to reignite the fire and be ready, be alert, be on guard, be watchful, be prayerful and be um, discerning on your blessings that come and let us live for your glory. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Oh,